So I'm so excited to have our next beautiful, amazing, talented, she's gone through so much, um, amazing woman. Um, she's a speaker. She's a mindset coach. She's an executive search and consulting uh, business in Orange County. She's led several focused women's group uh, to support addiction, work-related stress. And I know we all have that, everyone. And uh, she's really big on addiction recovery. She faced drug addiction, came out on the other side, survived a marriage, so bipolar, manic, depressive. Um, and I can totally relate. I'm divorced right now. It's like, hallelujah, I'm free. And uh, she battled cancer. She's sharing the truth of what she's learned. So welcome the amazing Kathy. How are you doing? Hi, everyone. I'm doing good. Thanks, Lee. I love it. So like, shit, I need to turn off all my fucking devices. Anyways, okay. So what is your favorite thyroid cancer joke or funny situation? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm funny. Well, you know, when you think of thyroid cancer, if you think of cancer, it's no joke, but yeah. I do have a couple of uh, interesting situations that always happens to me because, um, you know, when they look at me, they're always looking at this, this scar on my neck. It's a, it's almost mm -hmm. a four inch scar. Mm -hmm. So the first situation, obviously that, you know, when people stare at my neck, they, you know, I instantly know that they're going to, what the next question is going to look like, mm -hmm. you know, of course, only if they're brave enough to ask me, you know, where I got my scar and I, I'm like, Oh, my war wounds. So I just like, yeah, I, you I know, I just that. start laughing inside and yeah. yeah, I start waiting for the reaction, you know, and I start telling them these fictitious stories. So like the first <laughs> act would be, um, really like explaining some sort of freak accident of course and like the first story is always like oh how i flew through and broke through the glass window and <laughs> and then um and then i would just pause and wait for that you know to i I'd give them like a two or three second window before i tell them you know what really happened and then the mm -hmm. second story is like you know a bear attack that happened last year and then i'm like yay but i won the battle with bear right and um <laughs> and so that was <laughs> so those are obviously and of course like I said you know I, I give them a couple of seconds before I stop and pause and I go okay but wait let me explain I actually have cancer um, and you know people people would usually get really sympathetic and then of course feel sorry for me and then you know but of course you know it's not as great as a story as flying through a glass window or a bear attack. So, so that's the first situation <laughs> you know, the first situation that happens usually and then, um, so, you know, maybe another, uh, here's another funny one. Like, so situation number two, um, for example, you know, for first three nights in the hospital for my first surgery, um, mm -hmm. on my first night, I was in a room with another thyroid patient cancer. And of course I was being nosy. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I just wanted to find out like why she was there. So I found out. And so I found out that she had thyroid cancer 12 years ago. And her uh, her thyroid was removed completely, and I guess mm -hmm. there was a glitch because they they nicked her vocal cord. Oh fuck! And um, I know, so they nicked her vocal cord, and then now twelve years later, she's sitting, she's laying right next to me, right there, you know, right next door, and and she's back in the hospital this time, but this time she had a she was ready to get prepared for surgery again to have a gadget inserted into her throat so that she can finally talk. Jeez. So I'm like, shit. Yeah. I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, oh my God, she waited 12 years to be able to talk. And that's a very, very scary thing to think of because I'm a recruiter, right? First and right. foremost. 
And I'm like really worriedly, like, first of all, my cancer spread and metastasized out of my thyroid into other regions of my neck. And there was, vo there was cancer that was sitting on my vocal nerve. And so if you can imagine how scared I was, I'm like, shit, my doctor better do a great job, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so like the, 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 the cancer was also wrapped around um, my carotid artery, which is the main artery that brings the blood up yeah. into my brain. Mm -hmm. And then the surgeon was going to have to go in there and scrape the cancer off. So, yeah. the, you know, the possibility Lee, of not getting my, the full range of my voice back was scary because I'm, I've been working the phones for 25 years oh, yeah. and being a recruiter that was mute was oh, going to be devastating. You know, and so like I'm, I'm, yeah, so I'm an overachiever, right? And I, you know, I was already thinking of ways that I can communicate with my candidates and my clients if I can talk, could not talk to them on the phone. So I'm like, I start thinking, oh my gosh, should I start learning how to sign language? Mm -hmm. So wow, that's, amazing. that's just another kind of a, wow. a freak, yeah. you know, freak way of looking at it. It's not funny, but I mean, that could happen, you know? So. Yeah, I love that. I love <laughs> so how relevant you are. Holy shit. Can you tell us how you started your recruiting business? Yeah, yeah. Um, so my recruiting business, um, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll walk you through the short version of my career. Um, so you kind of have a good understanding of like why I'm, I'm still even in the recruiting business after 20 years. Um, first of all, um, recruiting is no joke. It's a really hard business to be in because, and, and, but the secret is that you just can't take yourself so seriously because yes. everything comes to you at once. And this art, it, it, I mean, there is a true art to be, um, to be said in this line of work, you know, there's no business out there that you're going to have to, you have to put 15 hats all, all at once. One day you're someone's job therapist. The next day you're a <laughs> company <laughs> counselor and then you're, you know, a job therapist and then you're a marketing expert now, like, you know, how to sell the best job out there to the, your community. And then you have to be your own admin assistant because nobody's going to do any data entry for you at all mm -hmm. and then um you know you're a data wonker but the best cool the coolest part of my job and my my career is that you know i get to be a professional online stalker all at the same time mm -hmm. because it. you know i get to stalk people all day long and nobody knows because maybe i should, you know allows I should get into this field <laughs> <laughs> all day long I'm just looking at people's profiles nobody knows that I'm stalking them and what <laughs> boom like I get on the phone with them five minutes later I'm their best friend well they don't know that I've been spending four hours stalking them online right mm -hmm. so it's such a great it's just such a great field to be in and you know on top of it all I've you, you gain all this HR knowledge of what not to say you know and all this you know and it, of course uh, of, you know, and, and like, and it's, it's easy and it's fun, you know, you get to meet people, like new people, like you're everybody's instant friends and, mm -hmm. you know, you get all this free, um, free attention from people yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's literally free, right? Because, you know, you sit there and resumes come in, pour in all day long and, <laughs> and um, you know, and then, you know, and it's like, you know, and, but, but, you know, at the end of the day, working with people is really tough, you know, especially when your product is your people they can just get up and walk out the door and you don't make any money at all you know yeah, um good. so that's kind of like a little bit you know that's just a little bit of a background of what a recruiter does but 
Um, but to kind of go back, you know, I started waiting tables at Country Harvest Buffet when I was 15. And then, you know, there I learned the art of hospitality and customer service, taking asking for someone's plate to clean off. And then after a few months there, I moved into working for an Asian-owned orthodontist office. And mm. the reason why I say Asian-owned is because you have to be really proper, you know. And, and so there I, you know, I, I started getting the hang of, like, working in the office and saying, you know, doing things um, you know, all the admin stuff. And um, after that, you know, I was only 15. So from there, I moved on to working in other office environments with my next job working in a call center by the age of 16. Wow. So, so from, from call center to call center, I've worked in, embarrassingly enough to say I've worked in like at least 30 cubicles. Okay. And, um, you know, just like one call center after the next. So from, but, but the cool thing is that from that point on, I was actually hooked. Like Mm -hmm. it was, there is an adrenaline rush, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, of course being a drug addict too, right? I mean, we get the adrenaline rush from that too, but like the adrenaline rush of closing deals, Mm -hmm. making a lot of money really fast. Mm -hmm. And then also understanding what made people tick because there's a psychology behind that. And, yes. um, and so, um, you know, by the age of 19, you know, I started working for my first recruiting company. It was a nationwide search firm specializing in IT and engineering. I sound like I know what I was doing, but no, back in the day, 19 years old, I had no idea what I was doing. You have guts. Nor Holy did I know what I was Yeah, you have guts. Like, yeah, and I had yeah, and you just have to. I mean, like, I just didn't know what I was talking about, too. I, I just, I ran with scripts. I was so used to, like, working with scripts. And, you know, at, at, at the end of the day, I, you know, I love the recruiting business so much. It's very rewarding. It helps change people's lives. Um, it may, we can make a difference in the community. We get to help bring down the unemployment rates, and we make a decent living for ourselves. Um, so today I'm about 22 years into recruiting wow. and I run a you look 21. I'm shocked. I'm, I, I feel weird. You're so, you're so cool. Uh, thank you. I, yeah, I've been around for, um, over, I'm 42 years old today. So I've been, I've been Asian doing this. Yeah, oh I've been, uh, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> but yeah, today I, I, you know, run a successful uh, search and recruiting business. Um, we specialize in finance and accounting, just in Orange County, and you know, life is great. I love it. That's amazing. We're gonna retitle this, I think, recruiting humor as well, because you're just so efficient. <laughs> I tackled thyroid cancer and recruiting humor. I love it. So, um, like, what was it like when you were like first diagnosed? What were some of the thoughts and feelings that were going through your head? Yeah. So let's see. So what was, um, I would say I was scared to be honest with you. I was, um, there's, it's no doubt like there, it's just so much fear. Okay. I, I'm not gonna lie about that. I was actually scared shitless, but, um, so, you know, but second of all, you know, I was diagnosed with cancer. So I was like, Oh, great. What? Like I just got diagnosed with a death sentence. You know, and then I, you know, of course, the Asian work ethic we talked about, you know, yeah. and like I, um, I was like, okay, all right, docs, like, what should we do in this situation if it, you know, because so that cancer doesn't, does not continue to grow, right. and the situation doesn't get worse. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I jumped on Google, 
And since Google, of course, has all the answers, um, I started, you know, researching. I stayed up really late. And, of course, I worried myself to death. And so I had to get off of Google because there was just too much out there. And, um, you know, of course, like, you know, I, but before I got off Google, I, I went into chat rooms forums, I asked a million questions to prepare myself for this life change. Mm -hmm. And um, the one thing, you know, the, the, the one thing that the doctors try to make me feel better by kept on, he kept saying this, he said, look, if Kathy, if you had cancer, this is the best cancer to have, because no one <laughs> ever died of thyroid cancer. Oh, okay. I'm well, like, I guess I'm like, that's oh, so weird. thank you. Yeah, <laughs> kind of weird. But yeah, and I, I, I was like, yeah, and I was like, okay, that I'll take that, yeah. and then, um, you know, and then I said, and I said, you know, I said, as a doctor, I said, yeah. how about the fact that my cancer spread outside my thyroid and into my lymph nodes, and you know, I, despite what the doctor said, I still was very scared. You know, as a, being a mom, like you can't show your weakness and. Um, I had a, like every day I had to wear a, a superwoman cape and, mm -hmm. you know, luckily I, I come from a very positive mindset. Maybe it was all that sales training from back in the day with all this recruiting stuff. I, I trained myself to have a positive mindset because you, you never want to call um, a ne negative Nancy recruiter down the street, you know? And so yeah. it was always like, Oh, everything's great. And, you know, and so I just really, I pushed through this Lee and I showed my son to have faith. Mm -hmm. And to not fear the unknown. Mm. That's, so that's how I got through it. <laughs> wow. And yeah. you're a mom. But no wonder you're a superwoman. That makes sense now. That's amazing. So oh, um thank you. Yeah, seriously. So like um uh I guess we're going back and forth between recruiting and thyroid cancer. That's so intense. So like um like I guess what do you love about your job and what do you hate about your job in business? You know, I honestly, um, I hate people. <laughs> Me too. Me too. We can, you know, Perfect. we can get, we can be so indecisive, you know, oh, it's just a job change. And, you know, and, and, and of course my livelihood depends on people changing jobs or, yes. you know, shit hitting the fan for them or like, if, you know, and, and it's hard to like inspire people, but mm -hmm. when you can actually get on the phone and really identify good talent mm -hmm. and then enroll them in the idea of the possibility of what's possible for them if they did um, go out there and explore options for them. And then magically, a month and a half later, they're sitting in a new desk in a new cubicle or an office and they call you and they go, hey, Kathy, thank you so much for that one phone call. I really appreciate it because you changed my life. You know, I, you know, I mean, there's always the good, the bad, and the ugly of, of any company, any business, anything that you get into, whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, you know, janitor. Um, but the, the fact that I can truly say that I make magic happen, it's a very magical and surreal experience when all you do is sell air all day long. Mm -hmm. Well, not air, because I, I kind of joke all the time. They're like, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I just sell air. You know, I, I just sell <laughs> an idea. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay. But, but when it happens, it just, it's so beautiful. And it's so rewardingly, like, I, I'm just, I just get, I guess now I'm getting emotional, like, because it's it. just, um, I love, I love this business so much. 
it's a phenomenal business to be in mm -hmm. and um you know and and if i wanted a raise or i wanted a you know a, a bonus check or something I just have to pick up mm -hmm. the phone and make yeah. a couple phone calls you know but of course it's yeah <laughs> I love it's it. hard but it you know it, it i get to um i created the american dream for me um you know coming here as a refugee and an immigrant um i you know i i i'm doing a lot i'm doing more than a lot what a lot of people even dream of doing you know i get to own my own business and i have the 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 i guess financial freedom but also the freedom to do like to spend time with the, my loved ones when i want to so i can you know i can shut down my computer or even take my laptop with me i can you know essentially we can do it anywhere in the world as long as we're connected to the internet you know absolutely so i love that so um let's talk about more your clients like who are the people that you really enjoy working with and what makes them so fun to work with uh well um i guess they're just they're really smart people you know i i mean i've worked with a lot of smart people um but the fact that our clients come to us and say look we are having a really tough time you know in a very challenging time to find a certain candidate can you help and that's why they pay us a premium fee or premium dollar amount to go out there in the world to find these people and these people typically are not on you know they're they, they're not sitting on um an unemployment board or a job board waiting for a phone call they're actually people that are you know diving deep into their work right now and they're just sitting there and they're not even passive job seekers but the fact that i get to talk it's like to call them you know whether it's a cold call um it's very rewarding to be able to talk to them and find out about the new trends that are happening within a company right now what's making you know why they're happy in their role. A lot of these folks that I deal with because they're finance and accounting professionals, they have CPAs, they've got MBAs from good schools, because, you know, I get, I mean, I have a cheat sheet, right? LinkedIn shows you everything, you know, if people mm -hmm. want to be found, they're on LinkedIn. So, um, you know, it's just, it's just, it's been really amazing. Like that's, that's what is so rewarding about my, my business. And I get to talk to some really amazing people, get to learn about different ways of being and living. Um, I've, I've talked to a lot of people that experienced a lot of loss as well. So therefore, you know, the therapist in me kicks in and, you know, I get to express, um, you know, my life's journey on where I've been. And, um, you know, a lot of times I've created so many new friendships from this business. I have thousands and thousands of people that, you know, I absolutely adore. They don't know it on a daily basis because it's hard to keep in touch with everyone. But, um, but that's kind of, that's, you know, that's really, you know, what I love. And on top of that, like, I get to, um, I'm really fascinated with, you know, people, culture and, and companies as well. So I'm always like trying to go to the best networking events to talk to the, you know, the CFO of the year or, you know, to see what they're doing, you know, why their company is growing, why, why another one is declining. So um, that's just what's, what's really rewarding. Mm -hmm. I love that. And like, what should yeah. people not do when they work with you? Because I know, I mean, I, I, I have a 
background as a career coach as well. So like what kind of people are super annoying to be with and how can they not be so annoying to work with? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So, okay. Whoever's listening right now. And if you're a usual suspect, I, <laughs> we call them the usual suspects, right? The candidates that are always, you know, kind of looking for a job or has a job or has a resume ready to go. And, you know, they're just ready to go all the time. There's just, those are the people that I try to stay away from because I, I can pinpoint a disgruntled employee from a mile away, someone that's not doing any type of personal development or growth within them, where they're just trying to go back to the same, doing the same things over and over and over again without getting the right results. And so, you know, I mean, I'm always trying to, you know, I do my best to, you know, respond cordially to these individuals and let them know, hey, have you tried taking a class? Have you tried up upgrading your skills? Why don't you, sometimes I'll do a courtesy resume re-edit where I'm like, hey, send me your resume. I'll take a look at it real quick and see what you're doing wrong. You know, um, it's just a, you know, it's public service. Um, I'm a servant and I will do that for them because, you know, they're just going to keep popping up. And of course, you never want to get written up, you know, as a bad Yelp on a bad Yelp right. review, you know, so, yeah, sure. um, but, you know, but it's, but at the end of the day, there are so many great people out there. But unfortunately, the reality of recruiting is that there's not, you can't find a job for everyone, right. Mm -hmm. And so we have to just come to realization that we can't be a friend or, you know, everybody's best friend just because we have the title of being a recruiter. Um, sometimes I'm even, you know, very shy in passing out my, re uh, my card at different networking events. Cause you're like, oh, not this one. This one doesn't like, I just don't want to pass my information out sometimes because when, when they hear recruiter, they think that you're kind of like the guy or the girl that's going to help them find their next job, you know, and you just, we just have to be really selective on who we put in our lives. And that just goes for everything. Um, you know, that friends, family, toxic people, you know, um, so we just kind of look at kind of the full gambit, but you know, time is very precious. I try not to spend um, a lot of time on candidates. I know I would not be able to place, but to at least give them, you know, have a courtesy call with them and spend some decent amount of time to them for them because some who knows you might end up getting off the phone call and say wow that person just gave you a, a nugget of wisdom that you've never heard before you know so um i'm just i'm just very present and very aware that in life um because being a cancer survivor i am probably a self-proclaimed or self-declared one of the most grateful recruiters in orange county I just enjoy every minute of my life and every call that I have with people. I just, I value it so much, Lee. Mm -hmm. It's, it's so important for me to connect with people, um, you know, wholeheartedly, even if we can't work with them. Yeah. I love that so much. So, um, let's talk a little bit more about like, how did you, you, I mean, touched on a little bit more, but like what advice do you have for people like who are running a business and going through like a major illness, like what tips and advice would you give them? Uh, to get through this period? Oh my gosh, I love that question. Um, yeah, so I would just say if you are diagnosed with any type of illness, whether it's 
chronic illness or even just this lower back pain, you know, or whatever it is, but especially with cancer, that's, I mean, that's the worst of all. But um, I would suggest, and my advice would be to get support emotionally, first and foremost, on what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And then you want to stay connected, very connected to your community. Mm -hmm. And then just let your team know if you're running a business, Mm -hmm. let them know that you need help because oftentimes as leaders, as executives, we have a hard time delegating because we can do things faster. We know our business more than our company or our team. So we will just try to hoard everything until the bitter end. And finally you're like, okay, I'm going, I'm like, for me, I was, I was trying to get all my clients and my candidates up to date before I was, went on my one and one and a half month hiatus. And I worked until the bitter end. Mm-hmm. It was just like, okay, you know, I've got cancer, but it's kind of like, you know, like that pregnant lady where she's like, okay, I'm going to on maternity leave right now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's so crazy that we think that way because it's our health at stake and we should be a little bit more, you know, take it easy, slow down, but we don't do that as a business owner on top of all that. So, um, you know, I, I mean, I personally, I have, um, you know, I, I just have a faith in God. And so I, um, I, I trusted that things were just going to get better and just continue to put one foot in front of the other. And being a business owner, it is definitely, um, you know, it's not easy at the end of the day, even with or without cancer, it's just not easy to own a business. And it's okay to give yourself a break and take the downtime if you need it. So mm-hmm. that's my advice. I love that. And like, cause I think, cause you have a, like, because the nature of your business, you have to work with so many people. So like, what advice do you have for like building the network that you have right now? Cause I know recruiting business is not easy. The fact that you've built it up so much in Orange County is amazing. So like, what tips do you have for people who are like starting out networking or starting in the recruiting business? Um, or just wanting to network to find a job? Like what advice would you give to them to grow like a network from like nothing? Um, yeah, I, I would say my biggest advice is to, if you've never been exposed to the recruiting business, I would suggest you try to go work for a recruiting firm and see if you even like it because mm-hmm. most of the time mm-hmm. people don't like it. People don't like to be hung up on. People yeah. don't want to hear that they're no. Like as, as you know, and, and it's funny because my voice has never changed ever since I was 15. So I always sounded like I was really young. Mm. And so it just, it just helped a lot. You know, I, I was never that, cr- you know, crusty, you know, recruiter. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, you know, you're although at one point I did smoke creamy. cigarettes. You're pretty smooth. Is that too inappropriate to say for a recruiter? That sounds inappropriate. No, you're so cute. No, no, I, I, but I just was never that crusty recruiter. I was always like had that, you know, Asian Britney Spears feel to me, you know, and (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And I just, you know, the one, so the biggest advice that my, um, my first branch manager, Martha told me, and this is when I was 19 years old. She says the secret to this business truly is consistency. Mm. So you just basic, you know, you just continue to dial for dollars to keep consistent. 
And, um, you know, one of, one of the things, uh, and then when I got it, when I became, when I went into recovery, when I was in 22 years old, um, the thing that I learned a lot was, um, the thing that they teach you in recovery is that make that phone call, even though it's hard, because as you know, people, whether you're an addict or alcoholic or whatever problem that you're dealing with, it's hard for people to reach out to make a phone call. Yeah. So I got personally trained to make an outreach call every day, three, three outreach calls a day. And what that means when you, when you're recovering, you make outreach calls is that you call people and go, Hey, how can I be of service to you today? Or, Oh shit, I need help. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was trained every single day for over 20 years now to make calls and go, Hey, I need help. So, I mean, if you can imagine, um, you know, I'm always calling and asking people for help, like as if I'm like this weakling, Mm -hmm. but I'm really not. And it truly is. People love helping people, right? People help. That's that's what recruiting and that's what the recruiting business is all about. People helping people. And so if you call them up and go, hey, I just, I need help with this idea, this concept. I need to find someone. Who do you know that's going to be a good person? So my advice for somebody that's trying to launch a recruiting business um, would be truly to to dabble in it and see if you like it first and foremost for at least six months. If you don't like it after six months, you have no business for being in recruiting at all. Um, You know, and it's, yeah. And it's just, um, you know, it's, it's hard to send out a, you know, $20,000 invoice, you know, because you don't feel like you deserve it. But unless you go, you know, work for someone and, and you go, oh, wow, our, you know, the accounting department just sent out a $25,000 invoice or whatever the number is, right? Like whether it's a contract or whatever, but, but when you start developing, um, you know, your skills and your, your mojo or your momentum in the business, that's when you know that this, the system, this recruiting business actually works. It's a, there's um, the art, they call it the art to the, like 16 steps to the close. So we have 16 steps when we engage in contact with a candidate or client. There's so like, the, you know, there's like little things, right? You got to follow up with them, set up the interview all the way to negotiating the offer stage. So you just have to see the big picture of what recruiting looks like. And so once you make your first placement, that's when you know that this business really works. Um, because, you know, this, this business was made up a long time ago, I think 50 years ago. And um, there's, I mean, even though the, the industry seems really saturated, it's really not because people get into it for a year and they just give up. So again, just going back to the advice of someone that wants to start a recruiting business is to try it out for six months. And if you don't like it, you should stop. <laughs> I love that. And then you, you um, actually also run a women like groups on addiction. And so I think that's very important. I love the fact that you brought it up. I feel like um, it's not, there's not enough awareness around the psychology of addiction and everything. So can you uh, speak with us a little bit more about like what your thoughts on addiction is and like how to overcome it? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, we can spend, we can actually spend 12, 12 hours. Five on hours. Yeah. Um, or I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, no, I have 12 hours. Um, okay. So <laughs> you're so cute. Okay. Um, wow. So my, I'll just kind of take you on and see if I can try to take you on a short journey through my life, but, um, and how I, I got into this and how I am obsessed 
obsessed with uh, passionately sharing the truth of what I learned on my road of recovery. So my story started, um, you know, my life was honestly, I was a normal Asian girl. I just inside and outside looked really normal. I didn't have any tattoos yet, you know, up until um, until about like, let's just say about the age of 13. That's not when I got my first tattoo. But the, um, when I was 13, I played, I was in band and played the clarinet. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I was on the basketball team and uh, one day on the basketball, during a basketball game, I came down on a rebound and my kneecap actually snapped out of its joint and oh it got dislocated. Holy shit. So I, yeah, I know. And then I was so sick, like shortly thereafter I went under I went into surgery and I was stuck in a cast for six months long um to get my kneecap kind of back into place um but during that time I actually developed a eating disorder because that's all you can do is just eat watch tv and um and all that so I started developing eating disorder I started gaining a lot of weight and I didn't like the way that my body looked because I had I actually had um I started having atrophy on my my right knee. My right leg was really small, was really bony, and then the other side, my the rest of my body just gained a lot of fat, and like I was a big girl. So um, my mom discovered because she had somewhat of an eating disorder as well. So my mom went to the doctor, and I was she was prescribed doctor like this dangerous weight loss pill called Fenfen. And um, so she brought it home and she's like, here, this is our magic pill. You know, we didn't call it the magic pill, but we're like, this is going to help suppress our appetite. So I got on the pill too. Mm -hmm. And I remember now looking back on that pill bottle, it Mm -hmm. said, um, you know, take one for every eight hours and then take as needed. Um, But it said only for two weeks. And I ignored that label and I took as needed for the next six years. And so I essentially developed a drug addiction to these really dangerous weight loss pills for six years. And finally, they took that pill off the market Mm -hmm. because it had the same chemical components as methamphetamine. So I... Yeah. And so I basically was mess doing mess already, you know, when I didn't even know it was in pill form, basically. And so they took it off the market and I got off those things. And I, and I, and the, um, you know, just, I ended up going into high school and I went into college with a rapid heartbeat, anxiety ridden, um, my hands and feet, they sweat all the time. I didn't know what was going on, but I just knew that I needed this little pill to get me through the day and do homework. Yeah. So I, I essentially I was I was a functioning addict and um got me through, you know, co- got got me through college and I started, you know, of course I came to self and I became this beautiful butterfly and blossomed into this yeah. woman, but we started, you know, we you know, went to clubs and bars and, you know, I you know, I'm definitely not a you know and so I just started you know dabbling with um you know party drugs and all that and I the next thing you know I'm a full-blown drug addict (laughs) um 
And finally, by the age of 22 years old, I hit my first rock bottom. And that was essentially when I, you know, I I had already been a recruiter at that point. And, you know, of course, I use a lot of people use um, drugs, you know, even especially in pill form as a performance enhancement, Mm. so that they can talk faster, you know, and um, speak faster, think faster, be smarter than the others, you know. Mm. And as you can tell, I speak fast and I'm, you know, and, and all that. It's because I was, I rewired my brain ever since I was a little girl, you know, and it's just, it was all fast. So by the time I was 22 years old, I um, hit my first rock bottom. I was a full blown drug addict living in my car mm-hmm. and I was hanging out with the drug dealers. You know, we, we had, I grew up in um, a, a really gang infested area of Santa Ana mm-hmm. and I just, I just, yeah, I just felt really different, you know, because I, we were, you know, Vietnamese and hanging out with all, you know, different types of people, and, um, and so anyway, so 22 years old, I hit my rock bottom, and that's when my beautiful journey with recovery happened. Um, we went in, you know, I, I started going to support groups, um, but luckily, I, I met my, I met my husband, who, um, you know, was a very lovely man, and he, um, you know, very wonderful man, very respectful, but he was diagnosed with bipolar manic depression, Mm. and that was when, like, life, I thought was really going great for me, but in reality, I was very unhappy because I was trying out here in the world, you know, at work, I looked really normal, you know, just real workaholic, you know, type of behavior, and then at home, I'm struggling because my ex-husband would keep going in and out of a psychiatric ward. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how in the world is, you know, and I told myself and I told the, you know, I told um, everybody too. I said, you know, if this is what recovery looks like and this is what the 12 step program looks like, I want nothing to do with you guys. Cause you can't, you guys can't keep this, this man out of a psych ward. Mm-hmm. So I went away from that program for a very long time. And I just dove really deep into my addictions, mm-hmm. um, whatever it was, you can call it like, that's the, you know, the first step it says, you know, I'm powerless over X and my life is unmanageable. Well, my ex had over 200 things on that X you know, list was like codependency. I was addicted to, you know, drugs, sex, love. Um, I was, was, you know, just everything that I could get my hands on to numb my feelings. So, you know, just going through recovery and, you know, hitting my bottom, you know, with depression, you know, I, I had, uh, to be honest with you, there were points in my life where I try to act out on my thoughts of suicide. You know, I just didn't want to, I thought it would be best to end my life. And this was before I had my son. You know, I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm broken. I'm alone. No one is ever going to know me. I'm a lost girl. So I'm just never going to be found. And, um, you know, just luckily I had, I was graced by God and that's, you know, another story in itself, how I, how, how I came to find God. Cause I grew up in, I grew up in temple as a Buddhist mm-hmm. and my whole, my whole life kind of, you know, it, it, it trans, I, it was a very transformational process, but, but, um, but, you know, with, I guess to kind of, uh, you know, to share this, 
through all of these emotional problems and the issues that I had, it was a very beautiful journey to self-discovery because I journaled everything. Mm. I wrote down every heartbreak, every trauma. Actually, I wrote down every boyfriend I dated too, but that's a whole new story. That's a whole other story too, but I wrote down why was I doing this? Why, why is life so painful? Why am I suffering so bad? And so I wrote everything down and, and I actually have about 50 journals of notes and, and journals that I've written, um, you know, on this. And so it was a really, you know, really um, great, you know, deep self reflection and discovery. And, 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 and today, you know, I, um, a couple of times a month, I would invite and I host a women's group. They come to my home. We talk on cross addictions. So the format of the meetings um, that you know the groups are on sex and love addiction, but we hit hard with the the with cross addictions. And so when I talk about cross addictions, it's you know when food addiction is a huge thing. Um, you know, shopping addiction, a lot of women act, tend to act out in poor behavior when they go out and shop so that they, you know, there's a whole concept behind that. But, you know, of course, drugs and alcohol, too, because, you know, alcohol is legal. And so a lot of women that don't claim that they're an alcoholic, they they use drugs. I mean, they use the alcohol to numb themselves. So I um we, we tend, you know, we, in these, in these groups, we talk about all of these as it relates. And so it's, you know, we support each other on a weekly basis and we keep each other accountable. Um, you know, there's certain things Lee, that we, you know, I call it my baseline living. It's a baseline living movement. And that's something that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be teaching in my book as well. Ooh, and um, the base, yeah, well, the, the book is called um, Don't Die with Unused Vacation Days. I love it. <laughs> the art of, the art, it's the art of living an extraordinary life. Um, and the reason why I call it that is because, you know, there's so many people right now that don't even, that are so proud that they've accrued so much vacation. But on the flip side, what they're saying to you is basically they don't take vacation. And I've heard of stories that people have died with a ton of vacation days. Yeah. <laughs> it's a waste. It's yeah. so, and it's so yeah. sad if you think about yeah. that, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so baseline living essentially, Lee, is um, to, have to, to come and say, okay, you know, when I'm coaching or counseling someone, I say, okay, come, let's talk about what your baseline is right now. What is your problem? Like, <laughs> what the heck do you think that your problem is? So we would figure out what that is. And I go, okay, are you, so you're, so you're telling me you spend 10 hours on Facebook on a daily basis. Okay. That's a huge problem because you're not living your life. So what, what I want you to do is I want you to stop the insanity and remove um, Facebook from your life for the next nine weeks. No. Now, okay. Um, I know. <laughs> so 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 you so you figure out so you figure out what your baseline is, mm -hmm. and you just don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. If you are a stalker and you just broke up with your boyfriend and you have a bad habit of passing by his house and just waiting for him right there at the corner, 
Don't do that. That's how a really bad so baseline time? behavior. How, wait, how do people have this much time to drive to other people's homes and do that? What job do they have? Because I want to know. Like, Cause it, I know, because they're obsessed. And that's what, it's obsessive compulsive behavior. And nothing, and I keep telling women all the time that nothing's going to fill that God-sized empty spot in your heart, but God, you know, and just a lot of work. Um, but a lot of, a lot of us try to fill it up with so many different things. You know, we would, oh, sometimes people just go to the gym all day long and they, you know, they use that as an addiction, you know, and, and so there's just so many, so many different things that people do that they're unaware of and just think that it's normal behavior. Um, so I, I mean, that's, that's kind of, you know, a long snapshot. That was a yeah, long video of what it, what um, my support groups look like, but it's, it's a great conversation. We have um, anywhere between 15 to 20 women um, that come over on a kind of bi-monthly basis. And, um, and then we do some zoom meetings too. And, oh, you know, people participate. Sometimes people just love to sit there and listen because you know, that whole me too movement, you know, um, people don't speak up until they go, wow, you've been through it too. Yeah. So I, um, I just, I just feel like I, I'm at a place in my life today, Lee, that I, I, I've created so much extra space in my life because I don't act out in my drug addictions or whatever addictions anymore. And I have all this space, creative space, so I can create this for my community. So that's kind of where I'm at with all that. <laughs> that's awesome. So, wow. This was one of the most interesting interviews I've ever had the pleasure of like uh, interviewing. You're amazing. So like, can you share with us, how can we continue the conversation with you? What's your website? How can we work with you? What's your book? Uh, just all the, all the social media shebangs. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So, um, my, I'll just give you my uh, website. Um, so the website is kathytrin.com. So that's C-A-T-H-Y-T-R-I-N-H.com. And, um, you can, you know, as, as far as recruiting, you can locate me on LinkedIn, um, which is also Kathy Trin. If you just look up Kathy Trin on, um, LinkedIn, I'm the only recruiter here in Orange County. And, um, yeah, and then I also am coming out with my book, um, Don't Die with Unused Vacation Days, The Art of Living an Extraordinary Life in the next two months. So keep an eye out for that. But, yeah, thank you, Lee. I really appreciate so much. You're amazing. Thank you so much. I had so much fun listening to you on this interview. So much wisdom in just one episode. I hope to have you on future episodes to come. Thank you so much. Thank you.